Welcome, you're listening to the rest of the sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper in content and conversation of last Sunday's sermon at Westside in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. Shredded though. Jesus is shredded. I feel he was a carpenter. He worked with stone. He's a not white, asymmetrical face, shredded man. I yeah. felt like Jim Caviezel though in the Passion movies was a good representation. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen Jim? Have you seen The Count of Monte Cristo Mm-mm. with Jim Caviezel? Mm-mm. Do yourself a favor. It's yeah. my favorite book. It's a great movie. It is a good book. Yeah. Do you Started feel like recording. Jesus ever wore a man bun? A man bun? Yeah, in a moment of like needing to put his hair up because he, probably he was flashed forward into the future and was like, "That's a look I'm going to get." Yeah, do I don't know. That. I think he went. See, I was thinking more French twist with like a chopstick kind of up in there. I mean, yeah, he kind definitely of. had long hair and. I don't know. Maybe it was a hot day and he needed to put his hair up. And we're back. We're live <laughs> on the rest of the sermon. This oh, is my gosh. We're talking about symmetry and people's faces and attractiveness and good. Jesus and Vin Diesel and Jason Statham and Colin Farrell. Who else are we talking about? Man bugs. Hey, Man really bugs. quickly, I have a fun fact for us. Spotify um, just sent me a notification the other day, and it was an advertisement notification. Yeah. And it said, need a podcast, um, choose one podcast or spotify currently has over four and a half million podcasts available that are regularly uploading and and we're one of them Woo-hoo. we're on all platforms Let's guys go. we're on all platforms that's so. super awesome yeah that's super awesome <laughs> well, welcome back guys yes welcome yeah. you welcome back to the rest of the sermon uh we had a big weekend yeah. We had a big weekend, man. What was uh? What was the? Well, let's walk through it. So <laughs> let's do it. It all started on Thursday. We had rehearsal, and then we started tearing a few things down. And then Friday hit. We did our Good Friday service we on did. April fifteenth from noon to one thirty. That was awesome. It was very good. And yeah. what was crazy is what I texted you guys that morning. Very sunny, kind of yeah. spring weather. Mm-hmm. Started getting way colder overcast and i was like "Ooh, this is kind of nice like it's because the earth went dark at noon when jesus was crucified and so right our good friday service was from noon to 1 30 and then by the time we were done with our service and walked out it was dark gloomy and rainy yeah and i thought this is poetic yeah. this is very yeah. very good we play a lot of rain and thunderstorm sounds like before the service and then it's an aspect of some of the videos we play and stuff and at the end that was playing and then when you walked outside there was some thunders and, yep. mm-hmm. and stuff going on it was like yeah did we is this happening right now <laughs> like, it was a good service man i'm yeah. always reminded of and we try to plan this intentionally but there is a visceral physical response in your body yeah. in that service yeah. of you guys singing a cappella, yeah. the silence, and then the dismissal in silence yeah. is very, very heavy. Yeah. And it's good. We added an extended element of time of prayer, about 15 minutes, and it, yeah. was, it was fantastic. That it, was... That was very interactive and very awesome. It's and very then, appropriate. The crucifixion yeah. of self-help. Yeah. yeah. That was really, really good. Yeah. And then uh, we tore a few things down, and then Saturday morning we hit the ground running. Yeah, yes, we, did. we did. We were at we were at the Rogers at like eight thirty, nine o'clock, and just setting stuff up, unloading, and all of that. Spent about a half hour in prayer, praying for the event and the seats and the people coming and all of that. And then uh, 
Sat- yeah, Saturday was a long day. Saturday was a long day. <laughs> it was. It was a super long day, and then but it happened. the amount of people. Yeah. So what I've said periodically over the years if we've done these community Easter events is that Saturday has almost become, in a way, a favorite day of mine versus yeah. Sunday. And to me, now they're just two different days. Yeah. yeah. But the amount of people, like when we were having our time of prayer, before we set up, before we did anything, before we set up a music stand, yeah. we got everybody together, read some scripture, and then spent time in groups praying, and then individuals walked through the Rogers Theater and touched and prayed over every single seat yeah. in the theater. And I went up in the very top of the balcony and looked down, and I thought, my goodness, there's 50-plus people. I think he's got a picture uh, of you yeah, up there. I got that. That's cool. Oh, wow, of that's very cool. Over it. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. awesome. It was a... It's a very, very special day. And yeah. and we read Jesus in John 15 saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. Yeah. And the greatest tragedy for us would to be to set up and to quote unquote, have a successful event yeah. and the spirit of God not move. And we did all of it in our own strength. Mm-hmm. And so that's the purpose of Saturday. Yeah. And then... And then Sunday morning. We man. woke up Sunday morning to more thunder and lightning. Easter Sunday. There was like two inches of standing, not rushing water along the curb where people yep. were showing up yeah. and yeah. jumping out of their vehicles and running into the rain. I'm not going to lie. I, I was with you this morning. We were unpacking Easter and J- Jason, you said it was... Maybe you were thinking maybe like four or five hundred people. Yeah. And that's what I was thinking in terms of just turnout, just because of the weather. Yeah. That, that would have yeah. been. It was brutal. It was, dude, yeah. at the end, when people were taking pictures, you could see your breath. Yeah. It was cold. Yeah. Um, Courtney shared this, but you said it too. When you have to turn the air conditioning mm-hmm. on at Christmas yeah. and then the Heat heater on at Easter, on at Easter yeah. you yeah. live in Southeast Missouri. <laughs> yeah. And wow. Christmas was warmer. Uh, yeah. Christmas was warmer than yeah. what Easter was. That's wild. But again, I got to shout out the volunteers. We yeah. had a group of uh, men and shout out to Larry Hillis, Dodge Chrysler and Fiat and Jeep here yeah. in Popper Bluff, Missouri, <laughs> helping Ram. you for all, Rams and Ram, Ram. all yeah. of that stuff. They uh, provided us with some golf carts and we had a group of volunteers that were soaking wet, mm-hmm. driving around. Um, I even saw one of them who was soaking wet with a towel dry off the seat yeah. because a family was getting in the golf cart to help shuttle them up to the front door. Yeah, that's so rare. I mean, guys, yeah. that's the stuff that you just can't. That's why an event like that can mm-hmm. happen yeah. is because of those individuals. But let's walk through. Yeah. What was your highlight? What was your big takeaway? Nikki, what was the win for you this Easter Oh, the win for me was the kids on stage. Like yeah. that's, the kids are Walk always us through that. What happened? So um, we always do a kid side booth. We do giveaways and bags and prizes and fun family oriented things. Yeah. But this year, for the last nine weeks, nine ten weeks, right after Christmas, the kids you guys started have been working. We have. Um, we have been working with our kids on learning the Nicene Creed, and they took the stage. Sunday morning to open service, yeah, and they recited the Nicene Creed, and it is not like a sm- it's bigger than the Lord's Prayer. It is a lot, and they did it, and their beautiful little voices, it's incredible, so well, yeah. Um, 
my daughter turned to me and she's like, I don't think any of them really have stage fright anymore, mom. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I think they do it very well. There's a couple of them. They're like, I'm not real sure, but their friends are with them. Sure. Yeah. And so hearing that come out of these small little mouths was yeah. just uh, beautiful. It was for me. Um, I think the kids were a huge highlight for sure. I think apart from the volunteers, I would say the kids, but the substance of what they were saying yeah. and quoting like that's yeah. that's the tenets of our faith yeah. that's the orthodox that is universally the church for 2000 years has said we agree on this it talks about god the father god the son god the holy spirit and to hear them when they got to that part true god from true, true. god true light from true light I was just like, man, this is special. Mm-hmm. This is special. I agree with you for yeah, sure. I think for me, like, well, first of all, like uh, just from bouncing off what we talked about earlier, like we had way more than four or 500 people there. Yeah, it was, oh, yeah. like, it was Poplar full. Bluff, you showed up in the rain. Yeah, you did. <laughs> On Easter Sunday. I yeah, don't know how did. many we had. It was probably a thousand. But, well, it was very but, difficult to get a count. The, uh, the security team that we hired said that they felt like at least a minimum of 200 more than what we had the previous year, which would put yeah. us right at about that thousand mark. Hmm. So, yeah. yeah. That's a, uh, it was Gosh, man, that that just the sheer turnout. I was very surprised with the weather, but man, getting to, well, for me, it was it was my last time. Yeah, yeah. man. Um, at the Rogers, and then my last, you know, we were going through rehearsal on Sunday or Saturday afternoon, and then Sunday morning again, and like right after rehearsal on Sunday morning, everyone was like, uh, "Are we good? Like, do we need to go over anything else? Does everyone feel comfortable?" And my wife was like, "Are we sure? We don't need to go over anything else." <laughs> I was like, I heard it in her voice, and I felt it a little. I was like, "That was the last like." Easter rehearsal that we'll wow. do at Westside. And, but then getting to see the fruit of that, the fruit of everyone's work to see the the service as streamlined and as, as clear focused as it was, I think was a really big deal. Yeah. Um, Jason, you said you heard from a lot of people um, who weren't necessarily volunteering or serving or setting up, but just came and experienced yeah. the service that everything was the most streamlined and clear and easiest than it's ever been before. That's what they said. They yeah. said they had felt like that they this was one of the best events that they had ever been to. Yeah. And I think from the countdown to the kids, to confetti cannons, to music, to everything was gearing towards this point of celebration. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was a really, really good. I loved that. I love the, uh, I just love hearing people sing and hearing people like respond in the prayers and the scriptures that we have on the screen. And yeah, I took my in-ears out to listen to those being read and being said. And dude, it was yeah a massive moment. That's huge, mm-hmm. man. We had um, a number of people um, respond to the gospel for yeah. the first time. And so we've got baptisms coming up in a few weeks. And so yeah. um, I think it was for me, as I step back and evaluate it, and I look now, it's one of those things where I'm constantly, I was telling one of the guys setting up, Easter to me is like this super fragile event yeah. that I'm like, oh no, like, is it gonna, do we have enough? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, and then God just constantly reminds me like, hey, I'm the one doing this. Yeah, I'm yeah. the one behind the scenes a month ago that was with that family when they were planning their Easter and those types of things. And so anytime I see somebody raise their hand in response of, I am a sinner and I need Jesus to save me. Yeah. 
I mean, the scriptures say that they can't do that apart from the spirit of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's just incredible to see, yeah. you know, to see things like that. Were there any little snippets or insights or just little favorite things that you had or little oh. story? Or John and Haley like Murphy. I'm just oh. calling yeah. out by name. Yeah. Do like, it. We ended up facing a lot of technical challenges on Saturday setup and even Sunday morning. And I like, I've never worked with someone who's so tenacious and so calm. Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. Calm, I think, was a great way to John's describe the perfect, it. He's the perfect sound guy, man. Yeah. Like, John John was looking in the face of problem after problem after problem after it took us forever to get set up. And he, w- he would just do the, uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> like, like the, yeah. the heavy sigh, okay. But that, I mean, he was like, hey, everyone, let's take about a 30-minute break. I'm just going to go grab this from the house, and this will make things easier. And... That just the, the the grace with which he handled. Being, he did. Yeah. yeah. It, John, you're awesome, man. And also yeah. some very exciting news that you guys will be hearing more about via the podcast. We actually um, just voted as a church and have hired John and Haley Murphy as our production managers. Yeah. They're at Westside, which, which is exciting, man. Yeah. So you guys will be hearing about that in the future. But Perfect. what about you, Nick? Um, so the kids in order to hold confetti cannons and, (laughs) and say the Nicene Creed, we had poster boards, cue card style, um, made for them. And when I, there was such an amazing kids side team Saturday, um, oh my gosh, like they showed up and so well, they did so much work. It was phenomenal. Um, but when we were kind of like dividing tasks, these people are going to be kid wranglers and this one's going to go here. And I had some that I'm like, hey, we need to get these cue cards made with the Nicene Creed on it. And Amy volunteered her husband, Gary, because I said, who's got nice handwriting that little kids can read? I love it. That's and usually I, how Gary gets oh, involved bless in stuff. his soul. And he jumps every time. They spent hours. Yep. And they, I mean, they were sprawled out on the floor in front of the door to get more light. Yes. Yes. With rulers, making sure their spacing was good so the kids could read it. So all of the cue cards could be flipped about yep. the same time. Yeah. And I'm over here going, I really would have thought that would have been like a 10 minute thing. Yeah. But the fact that I didn't have the foresight to see how detailed it needed to be, yeah. they did was just people put where they were needed to. And, properly placed people yes Um, yeah they did it so well and then chelsea loaded up the kids side wooden things in the back of her car not knowing if they would fit but her and jolie went and grabbed them brought them back like Mm. just all those little little things it wasn't big things then she rolls in sunday morning with like 30 sausage biscuits yes. just in case people are hungry that was cool she's so sweet she oh. came up to me in the sound booth she was like pastor tyler are you hungry and i was yeah. like yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like i'll get you a plate yes. i love it brought I me it. brought me some barbecue which i ate it on the drive back to the church to get another thing that yeah. we needed, like driving with my knee I thank you chelsea it. you're awesome yeah. yes Lori and stacy though forever miranda millie like i could sit here and just yeah i've got a group chat with all of them wow my mom like isn't that Just cool, so man? Many, oh, so many names. So yeah. many names that yes. they all deserve the credit and the recognition. Yeah. Amen. And it was great. It's a blast. The, the, the event has been, we've said this before, a casting of a net into the community for people to respond to the best news they've ever heard. And yeah. 
I think that was a huge win again this year, and mm-hmm. it has been the last four years we've done it, and minus the COVID years. But sure. I think uh, I think it's been a huge success, and to see those hands raised, saying mm-hmm. that they are brought out of death into new life and submitting to Christ is just that's the joy, man. That's yeah. the part. I felt uh, I always ask the Lord um, each year for Easter for 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 a word, duh, <laughs> but for like literally a singular word or a yeah. phrase to just kind of anchor everything. Where is it at in the Christmas or in the Easter story? And the word remember popped out this year just in the text. And I did, I really felt like, man, this story, because I think for pastors and those who communicate at Easter and Christmas, we know that we have people that are coming who haven't been in a long time. And I'm not a part, I'm not trying to knock any of that. Just invite those people. Glad you're here. But there is a sense of like, man, I would like to engage this person where they're at. I would like to communicate this in such a way that it would engage them. And the temptation in that is I need to spin this or come up with something new or this, that, and the other. And I ran across that quote from Samuel Johnson that said, people oftentimes need to be reminded more than they need to be instructed. Yeah. And I thought that was really good. I thought that's it. That's yeah. we need to be reminded of what this Easter story means, mm-hmm. the magnitude, what it's accomplished. And it was simple. We just we said we need to remember Jesus's words, Jesus's cross, and Jesus's empty tomb. Yeah. And so I I felt like on stage almost like Oprah. Like you get good news <laughs> and you get good and it was just like this tossing out of good news. Yeah. And I think that added overall for me just the experience what that was your part of the sermon? Um, a couple of things. I think the first aspect, I always love teaching the text. And so talking about the remember and finally telling about the story about me locking my keys in my car. <laughs> I've been sitting really on well. that for a long time. Yeah. I love that. And as that happened, I was like, oh, I couldn't remember and and, <laughs> and all of that stuff. So you, you, you have to go back and listen to the audio. I think at the end, um, I always just try to search and find that story or something and about the painting of game over in the Louvre and the idea that the king has one more move. Right. And just to be able at the end was my favorite part to just, re- I literally had in my sermon notes, rant here. That's literally what it was. <laughs> and it was just to say, remember, um, God's grace is bigger than your sin. Remember, if God is for us, who can be against us? Remember, yeah. death. To, and it was just this firing of promises as a reminder. Yeah. And so I think that was probably my favorite part That's aspect good. of that. Nick, what about you? What stood out to you? Um, I really, really um, loved when you said remember, like all, all the memory. But you made a comment once. I had my three year, my four-year-old nephew sitting in my lap. Um, and you said, even if you're here high, mm. yeah, um, was one of those things that like, yeah, I'm sure there's someone in this room right now that really needs to feel sure. the love because they are sitting in this room with guilt, with shame. Um, and then you said the word butt crack and that was new for I me. Know, um, I the know. first time I've ever heard butt crack. That's probably the most feedback I got. Yeah. And that's one of those you things where my wife would have. If yeah. I would have saw her, she would have given me the look no. for sure. I looked so. back and she was laughing, but she was looking <laughs> down when she was laughing. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I really think you speaking to that person who hadn't heard the word, who was mm. there, um, who needed to be there to hear the word. There was several families that I got to, that I know, Yeah. not all of them super well, 
but I got to see family units together in yeah. new ways. It's cool. Um, and that was kind of a beautiful thing to sit back and see. Oh, it's good. She's sitting over here with her son and yeah. her grandson, and they've lost a person. Like yeah. there were several things like that that were beautiful. But when you spoke to the person who mm. isn't in the church and yeah. doesn't know yeah. Jesus's love, that really was something. It's good. What about yeah. you, Tyler? It was the checkmate story for sure. It's I was good. turning around and I was looking at it, and I was looking at the chess pieces in the board and trying to work everything out. But like, just to just to think that a closer look, a more intentional look. Like he was looking at the chessboard like we should be looking at the scriptures. Mm. Like he was looking at the chessboard like we should be diving into, hey, what? where does all this end? Where is nice. the final yeah. story? Like that really hit home for me and seeing like, well, we should know this. That's and good. It's, we, it's something we should know so well that we just need to call it to memory. That's it. And we need to remember it. Yeah. How about so. this? I'm going to put you guys on the spot. We oh, didn't yay. discuss this. Yeah. When it comes to the resurrection, for you personally. Yeah. What is the thing that is the most convincing aspect that in the Easter story, what convinces you the most about Jesus's resurrection? I already know my answer. I mean, Ooh, you've go got because I got yeah, mine. But yeah, he you've made, got all that stuff. He, go. He uh, he makes them breakfast by the sea. Mm. Such a such a boring thing. Yep. Something that would seem so minute. Yeah. Like, hey, you just rose from the dead. Let's go heal some people. Like, let's yep. record that he's overthrowing the Roman government and like yeah. righting all of the wrongs culturally and, and governmentally. And what's recorded is a personal aspect. Yeah. Like, he made us breakfast That's by good. the sea. That to me is like another one of those things. Like, if you're going to make this up, you don't record that. Sure. You yeah. don't record that the women were there yeah. like, discovering the tomb or anything. Like, that's, that's good. it for me. Yeah. 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 Uh, Thomas. Ooh, yeah. That, yeah. And the kids will get into that a little deeper this good. week. We're going to kind oh, of. Oh, Thomas. Up Easter. Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Right. And the fact that Jesus knew he was going to have doubts, but he didn't. He didn't condemn. He's like, hey, here you go. Feel this. We're good. And sure. it, that yeah. for me is always the one that's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I think for me, there's, it's a little bit like what you said, Tyler. C.S. Lewis talks about fairy tales yeah. don't have details in them. Yeah. And if they do have details, it's about Tinkerbell's wings or something right. like that. It's not a detail like the linen cloth yeah. or the women. I think for me is when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, oh yeah, and for 40 days he appeared to about 500 people. Yeah. And if you want to talk to Clepus and Bob right. and Bill, they're right down the road. Yeah. You could, and the amount of people that literally, I mean, and back then when Paul wrote that name, it was like Facebook tagging someone. Right. It was like, you're in this now. You can get called into a court of appeal over yeah. this. And so just the sheer amount of evidence yeah. that points one direction, I think for me is is always been the convincing aspect yeah. and proof yeah. you know, That's in regards really, really to that. Cool. It was an incredible event, guys. You can yeah. listen to the uh, audio and podcast uh, later on on our website. But one of the things we wanted to do today is this is Pastor Tyler's last rest of the sermon. It last is. podcast. This last is the podcast. rest of my rest of the sermons and all so, right here. And so we have a lamb in the corner we're going to sacrifice yeah. today. Yeah. And no, um, one of the things I thought would be super important, because I know that we have a lot of pastors, uh, worship pastors, lead pastors, a lot of people from other churches that listen into the podcast. And Tyler, you've got to experience um, seven and a half years on yeah. staff at a church yeah. through many seasons 
seasons of transition, COVID, all that stuff, growth, all of yeah. those things, name change, leaving the yeah, historic. I legally I mean, changed my last name. Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. A ton of stuff. Yeah. And so I thought it would be helpful. Yeah. Maybe like seven main things that you've learned in seven years. Yeah that you would want to tell another worship pastor yeah. or something like that. So yeah. start from the top, Yeah, man. we'll start from the top. I think uh, one of the things that's carried with me for a long time, and I think it's something that you taught me very early on, um, and just looking at the scriptures, we we don't start a worship service, we join one. Mm. Yeah. Um, like I heard a story once, um, It was uh, I think it was Louis Giglio speaking at an Easter event, and he was talking about like, we all come in here and we're ready and we're like, oh, the countdown's starting. It's about to start. It's about to start. And he's like, no, like it's already started. Yes. It's happening mm-hmm. for eternity. We have it in John's peak of Revelation that I got to speak on a couple of weeks ago from jo- Revelation chapter four, verses one through 11. This is ongoing. Mm. It's something that we get to join into. So if you're a worship pastor and you're curating services, man, like, and you have the gift and the responsibility and the trust to put words in people's mouths, to put songs in people's mouths and prayers and mm. guide and direct them with their bodies, their hands, their feet, their knees, their bowing, their silence. Understand and know that you will do nothing new. Mm. Like you will not do anything that has never been done before. You are joining in with something that's been happening for eternity. I think that's really important for people to hear because yeah. I think there's a pressure of either how can we make this unique or and and I think it comes from a good place. I'm not yeah. I'm not questioning motive there, but I think yeah. the idea I've heard a seminary professor say if in the Christian faith if it's new it's not true. <laughs> and so but essentially like the pressure's off. You're not coming up with something new here. Yeah. This is already established. That's beautiful, man. Yeah, that's a big one for me because I like I grew up the Lord saved me in a very charismatic um very uh, organic style worship service setting. Yeah. And um, I believe there's there's a time and a place for that. But if you look in the scriptures, man, like worship is way more organized and the, te- sure. the temple, the tabernacle, I mean, you, you could only wear or say or do certain things. And if you didn't, you'd die in the right. holy of holies. Yes. Like God works beautifully through order and yeah. organization. And I'll never forget like repeatedly the pastor at my church growing up would be like, we didn't even plan this. And they sang everything that goes right into what I'm talking about. And as I got older, now I'm thinking like, hey, that could be every week. <laughs> like we can yes. talk, like the Holy Spirit can move just as just as much in me by, by studying on a Wednesday, preparing yep. for service in the same way as just dropping it instantly on a Sunday morning. They yep. hold the same power because they're from the same place. Yep. And so I, th- I just think preparation is a... Uh, is really helpful in that and knowing that we are joining something. That's huge, man. That's really um, good. That kind of that pours two? into the second one. What we sing, say, and pray matters. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, Colossians 3 has kind of been like a guide point for us, uh, verses 15 through 17. Um, verse 15 says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body. And then verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God and whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Again, giving thanks to God, the father through him. Amen. Like Paul's writing this to a church, right? He's not yeah. just writing this to like a group of a small group of people. He's writing this to people who gather regularly. He's yeah. writing this to people who, who 
are using it as a guide, essentially, for the way that they gather, as well as the early church in Acts. And we see all of those things, like, taking place. We have the Word of God, which is why we we start the worship service after we welcome everybody with our red door welcome. We yeah. read a passage from Scripture, and we let God begin the service. And yeah. we let the Word of Christ, like, the Word of God and the Bible kind of govern and and excuse me, put the as the guardrails in the direction for our Sunday service. And and the reason that stuck with me for so long is like in my early years, man, like it was just what what song felt right. Sure. Mm-hmm. What did I like? Sure. Like did I experience quotes in the air for you listening? Like an emotion or a thought or a feeling when I listened to Hillsong or Elevation. Well, okay, if that did that for me, then then we need to bring that into the service. Sure. Yeah. That's not the way that I believe one, the scriptures talk about orchestrating an event or a gathering, getting together and doing that. Um, but two, it's also just kind of allowing our emotions to govern and guide the direction of a worship sure, service. Sure, yeah. absolutely. Which, which is why I say what we sing, say, and pray matters. Like right. you as a worship pastor, as a worship leader, are being given the authority and the responsibility and the trust to put, like I said earlier, songs and words and prayers in the mouths of people and moments of silence and th- actions to do with their bodies. That's yeah. a big responsibility. Yeah, I've heard like, uh, Glenn Packiam say that whatever scripture is united to, the spirit is invited to. Yeah. And so the idea that God has guaranteed one thing yeah. that is anointed, yeah. which is his words. Yeah, amen. And so, but uh, I think a lot of guys... Or, you know, a lot of guys and girls who are leading in worship or doing, yeah. nobody would ever say, oh, I'm not doing that. Right. You know, everybody yeah. assumes they are. What is something that you would say or help someone to gauge them to say, hey, what you sing especially say, like even get into details. You guys prepare what you say in between songs. Why is always the important question. Yeah. Like I'll have worship leaders who'll be like, I really want to do this song this week. And I'll ask why, tell Mm -hmm. me why. Like, and then if they can unpack like how this ties into this, to the sermon and the passage for the week and the driving one nail home, they'll get a pass or we'll, you know, maybe circle back around to use that kind of language. But I think ultimately like it all boils down to, time. Like Mm. I, I'll never forget. I think it was like six years ago. I was like, Jason, how do you, at that time, I didn't know like what kind of communicator you were and how awesome you were and the gift that God gave you. (laughs) Um, but I was like, how do you, how do you have such a good handle on this text for today? And, and are able to communicate this. And you said, honestly, man, it's just time in the text, Mm -hmm. time in the text. And so over the course of time, when we started communicating more frequently about like what's coming up on Sunday, how can we orchestrate the worship service and curate this? Like I probably now regularly spend about a half hour to an hour just in the text, yeah, reading through it, making little notes. What can we do? What songs do we have? What scriptures can we read that all tie in and point to this big idea or the main three points that are being communicated? Because these things are one, like it's a worship service. It's not, we're singing for the time of worship and now we're hearing preaching. Sure. From the moment we come in to the moment we end is all worship. That's huge, man, yeah. for people to hear. That's yeah, big. Yeah, like uh, uh, driving, to, driving to the church is part of worship. Yes, <laughs> Like you're right. li- outside of the walls and the gathering, your life is offered up as, your body's offered up as a spiritual sacrifice and worship to God. And so I think ultimately when it comes down to the way you curate a service, 
there's got to be a why. Yeah. And the answer for why is what's your pastor speaking on that week? Yeah. What's the series that you're in? What's the theme that's being driven? And ultimately, does the why glorify your need for something or your want for something? Or does it glorify the kingdom of God and the sure. message that's being communicated? One of the things that I... I like and appreciate about the worship culture at Westside is, and this is not a self-righteous claim or, I mean, it's the exact opposite is there are a lot of things that you might hear on the radio that we don't necessarily yeah. sing at yeah. Westside. And it's oh, not, yeah. and we don't like if, if people do that in their individual time, like yeah. that's fine. But I think what you said being entrusted yeah. and empowered yeah. to say, I am planning this service for our people that glorifies the glory of God. Yeah. There, I mean, in the Old Testament, there's a thing called strange fire yeah. when they worshiped the wrong way. Right. And God was like, yeah, and like <laughs> took them all out because he specifically said, I don't want to be worshiped that way. Yeah. And so I just really appreciate hearing what you're saying, that the why and that the fact that God has spoken yeah. about what he wants mm-hmm. and what he desires to be worshiped. Yeah. That's good, man. Yeah, that's really, that's really good. good. What about number three? Number three, I wrote uh, alliteration here. Family over function. Um, Mm. Let me break that down for a minute. Uh, Many years ago, I had a mentor in Northern Colorado. His name was Chris. And Chris told me I was part of a church plant and we had just brought in a bunch of volunteers and we were basically building a worship service out of the trailer every single weekend into into an old elementary school gym. And he said, you've got a lot of volunteers and you have a lot of work that needs to get done. You can choose to have people work for you or work with you, Mm. is what he would say. Um, And I said, what do you mean by that? And he was like, well, people will do what they're asked for so long. Mm -hmm. But if you create an environment where they are heard, listened to, they feel basically a family environment. If they feel as though they are part of something that is unified, Mm -hmm. they'll do anything with you. That's good but they won't do everything for you. Mm. Um, and I've learned a lot um, over the last seven and a half years at Westside. Like, I mean, we've been through some stuff. Like when, when Kayla and I came, there were some some worship leaders who were who were serving and all of that, but we didn't have much to work with in terms of like technology and Dude, teams we and were volunteers. showing YouTube videos, You should brother. tell the story as a caveat, like uh, what, what popped up at the end of the video one time. Yeah, we were trying to show worship <laughs> videos, and so we would just screen grab them off YouTube and... It was during Advent and this video popped up and I was like, oh, the production guy in the booth is like, like he's like got creative and found this cool. So it showed the busyness of a family. And then it was like, don't forget the reason of the season. And I was like super proud of the guy. Yeah. And then at the very end of it, it said, and this video was sponsored by the Latter-day Saints. <laughs> and I, I turned my mic on and got up and went, we don't believe that. That was a mistake. That was, yeah, dude, there's uh, crazy stuff that's, that's happened, so man. Great. But yeah, essentially, if you're a worship pastor or a worship leader, like the most value, like you're, you're working with people. Mm. You're working with souls that are created in the image and likeness of God. They've got joys. They've got hopes. They've got pains and fears. They've got jobs. Like, they're volunteers. If you're getting paid, they're getting paid, but they're not getting paid, like, to do exactly what you're asking to volunteer them for. Yeah. And so all of those things need to be approached from a a leadership or a pastoral stance. And I think the best way to kind of look at that is the way that that the Bible and, and the kingdom of God orchestrates us. Like, in... God, in first, I'm sorry, in James, it's, was it, first John 3, um, we are, 
and so beloved, we are children of God yeah. now, and so we are. Like, yeah, and so we are. We're part of this family, and I think if you operate your teams as a part of a family, and that's, I mean, on a practical level, that looks like just hanging out with no agenda. Sure. That mm-hmm. looks like spending time together in prayer. Like, yeah. you just basically anything you do with a family, do with these people, invite them into your story, be a part of theirs, be curious about it, talk with them, pray with them, laugh with them, play with them. And then you will find that the journey that you are doing is no longer being done alone. That's you good, have man. A family with you. Yeah. It's really good. I think that's evident yeah. when anybody from the outside looks into the worship team. Yeah, for sure. And then not not only that, like you and Caleb, like had a family by being there. At the, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like yeah. so you not only were like trying to yeah. develop this and do this, dude. You guys became parents at Westside, yeah. yeah. and We've like had all, all of those of transitions. Kids. Jesse was born in 2017, and then we had two more, Ethan yeah. and then Eden. And Eden will be one next month, and Ethan will be three. Oh, and is she already almost crazy. Yeah, dude. it's cuckoo bananas. But and that changes the game. Like it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I would never. I mean, uh, our quiver is. F- mostly full right. I don't know if it's totally full yet right. I don't know about that but right. gee, we're not pregnant or anything but <laughs> I uh, but we love our kids man and we want them to see that environment too and, good. and I think that's uh, that's really really helpful so if you're a worship leader or worship pastor value your people more than your projects that's um, really good bud yeah absolutely uh, number four was learn to preach well mm. um, uh, was one thing that a tool that was not in my belt when I came to Westside and um, Pastor Jason uh, for those of you listening man you you have instilled a great like I wasn't even wearing a tool belt <laughs> if I was, but by the end of this, I feel like I've got Batman's utility belt. Yeah, on you do, me, man. Um, with the, with the things that you've graciously spent your time and your talent and sharing and communicating through preaching labs and just through one on ones. And man, I, I feel more confident than ever if someone were to ever come up and be mm. like, "Hey." would you speak at this or would you say or do this? And Well, it was always there, bro. I mean, that's why. And I mean, I think I told you this like the first time that we hung out. And I think the benefit of what we had is we had both come from kind of similar environments. And in our previous church history, we had both kind of understood what we didn't want anymore. And I think that's what's special. Even you, Nick, like I think that's what's special about Westside is the people that are a part of it have been a part of something that they were like, uh, you know, but (laughs) one of the things that I said was like, I am not as interested in your quote unquote musical ability as much as I am. Like, I want you to reach for your Bible before a guitar or piano. And, and you had that desire already there. And so that's something that you can't manufacture. Well, man, as a worship leader or a worship pastor, you get the culture that we live in in Western America and the evangelical church, the band gets just as much stage yes. time, if not more, as yes. the pastor. Yeah. We get 54 Sunday, 54 services-ish um, a year um, between like a, if we do a Christmas service and then a candlelight and then like Easter, yes. Good Friday and some other stuff like that. You get 50-something times a year with about as much stage time as a pastor, 20 to 30 minutes. What are you as a worship leader or worship pastor teaching your people what are you calling them to and inviting them into and what are they what are what resources are you using to lead and to guide not just the intellectual side but also the emotional and the heart side and the cultural side yeah. of the worship community I would say that you in that position are teaching maybe more systematic theology by song than a yeah. than a 
pastor does on a Sunday morning. Yeah. I mean, when we think about God's character, God's nature, yeah. all, and those are attributes that we're singing about. Yeah. And, and, and you've always had a heart for this, but like, man, what is set? I've always told Tyler that it's called poking or stoking the fire. <laughs> like if you were to imagine the worship service as a fire with these yeah. coals and you take this poker and you move it around and the flames burst out, yeah. like what you say in between songs yeah. and how you engage the congregation yeah. is the stoking of the fire in that sense, yeah. man. And so that's huge. Yeah. And I think if, if you're a worship leader or a worship pastor, if you those little moments in between the songs are our little sermons. Yep. They're, they're yeah. little moments where 100%. you can point people to Jesus from God's word. Yep. Um, and, and those are things you can prepare for. And so that's what I mean when I mean learn to preach well. Like yeah. you either can, you can fill the pulpit if your pastor's gone, God, give him a break. Like let him get out and do your, <laughs> pop in there and offer. But at the same time, like th- these little moments in between songs or in the midst of a song, like before a bridge is getting bigger or something like that, you want to read through Psalm 23, like we did with Yes, I Will's great sure. moment mm-hmm. months back. And, like those moments prepare and almost massage the heart of the culture of worship at your church and call people to more and get them excited about who God is and what he has done. That's so, good. I think it's important for you yeah. to hear too, man, from the first sermon to your last sermon to yeah. see the growth and oh. your comfort in that pulpit mm. yeah. has been a joy of my ministry and life to Thank watch, you. man. It's incredible. Thank you. It's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Number five. Number five. It's going to be okay. <laughs> True story. Let's go, man. Everything can fall apart. I love it. Um, and it, and maybe it will. I mean, we kind of experienced that with COVID, man. Like, like we've been, we've been in need for some more staff for a while, and we've been doing a lot as yeah. a church. And for a while, um, paid staff, apart from our secretary, it's been the two of us. Sure. And when COVID hit, I know we were kind of looking at some stuff and all of that, but dude, it felt like the poop emoji hit the fan emoji <laughs> yes. when COVID hit and we decided we were going to do an online service called Jesus and Germs. Oh, and man. we were going to ride this out for a few weeks and see what Three, was going to happen. I remember specifically saying yeah. in that sermon, yeah. we're looking at three yeah. at the most yeah. four weeks. Yeah. And dude, how many did it end up being? Three months. Yeah. Okay, I knew it was yeah. a month. It was like 14 weeks almost <sighs> of, of yeah. no gathering. And that threw, and so when I say everything's like, it's going to be okay because everything can fall apart. Like what we are a part of on a Sunday morning is a taste of heaven. Mm. What we are a part of it's on good. Sunday morning is also an organizational structure yeah. that yeah. functions like a business to sure. some degree. Yeah. And if you looked around two years ago at what organizational structures looked like in the face of COVID and a pandemic, a bunch of stuff fell apart. Yep. And, th- and that's like, dude, you were happen. editing videos. Yeah. And like, I mean, it was, yeah. dude, that's a good word. But and I think in the midst of that, like, I had just come off of, I had just read, um, I forget the, the guy's name, John, I think it was John Mark Comer, um, wrote the book, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Yeah. Um, and had a John Ort- Ortberg as a mentor for a while, read that book and was kind of pushing towards like a season of rest. Yeah. For the first like month and a half, two months of 2020. Like I, we were doing Sabbaths on, like we were basically making pizzas and making a day of rest where we didn't do electronics and we tried to go hiking and stuff like that. And then the pandemic hit and we were like, 
we're going to be doing this every day. This is what we're going to be doing every day. So yeah, Nick. From sorry. the no, from the outside, because I wasn't on staff then. I yeah, was still yeah. volunteering, yeah. still doing things. Um, you guys, it is so very different, and I think musicians, um, speakers, and I think this goes beyond the church. Yeah, when you are in front of a crowd, you draw an energy from that. Yeah, for and sure. And it does kind of prop you up. It it gives you a sense of purpose. You guys were doing this, and Tyler, you especially, you were singing to an empty room. Yeah. There was no one there. I got yeah. a... And preaching to preaching empty room. And preaching to an empty yeah, room. With no amens or oh yeah. No feedback. Right. Yeah. No, no one else yeah. in the room except each other. The amount of just... Wait, when we went to Atlanta and we pre-recorded and, yeah. and did that, I'm I'm doing a kids sermon, yeah. um, and I'm like, "There's no kids in here. This is yeah. I can't imagine twelve, fourteen weeks. Yeah, of and you did it so well. Oh, yeah. thank you. That's awesome. You guys yeah. did it so well, and I know that thank was you. such a tedious, yeah, and heavy thing to do. Yeah. One of the things too, I think that you and I really try to do is, again, we had come from different backgrounds where like. The Sunday morning experience, there's a lot of weight behind that, this, that, right. and the other. But when a projector would blow out or yeah. like this, that, and the other, yeah. we would just always kind of be like, okay. It's fine. Well, it yeah. was, was it preventable? Yeah. And if it's not preventable, it just yeah. kind of is what it is, man. You and know? when everything falls apart or if something falls apart, it's just an opportunity for you to realize, hey, I'm not in control of everything. Mm, that's good. Um, and as a worship pastor, as a worship leader, as a as a production director, if you're involved in a Sunday service in any way, shape, or form, like that stuff's going to happen, and it's okay. It's like, good. That stuff is okay. So, that's really good, man. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah, that's all I got on that one. Um, it's a good word. Yeah. Number num- six. Number six, before you are a pastor or a leader, you are... And this was for me personally. I'm a husband and a dad. That's good. It's mm-hmm. been a huge learning thing for me this last year. Amen. Um, learning that uh, this is not all there is. In Amen. F- in fact, these are these are just tools that we are attempting to use in the scriptures and through a gathering on a Sunday to point people whose identities are husbands, wives, dads, moms, all of that in that proper direction so that they can live in that identity in a way that glorifies Jesus. Amen. And so I think... Uh, that's been a huge thing for me. For the, I mean, I've been involved in a Sunday service for two decades. Yep. And, and uh, for me, that's kind of how I've identified. Like I would say, hey, I'm a worship pastor. Or sure. I'm a worship leader. I'm a musician over at Blank, which yeah. a lot of people do. Like, hey, I work at Briggs or, you know, that's yeah. how you'd answer that question. But There um, is something uniquely different. I, yeah. You know, it's not harder. It's not this or that or the other. It is uniquely different because people don't, Put like if someone's like, "Hey, I work at Briggs." Yeah, there's not a level of expectation there that right. that's their whole life. Yeah, like, "Hey, I'm a worship pastor yeah. or I'm a pastor at blank." And then they don't cuss anymore when they're talking. To <laughs> and you. then the conversation <laughs> no, it's dies. weird. But no, there. Yeah, it's a weird expe- unspoken expectation of, yeah. "Oh, well, that's the core of your identity. That's who you are first. Yeah. So, man, that is a good word, yeah. dude. That's yeah, a th- good it's, word. It's easy to let that swallow you up mm-hmm. because it's, Absolutely. it pairs so well with like. The hard thing about it is God has created us to glorify him and worship him forever. Yep. And this role can get hairy. Yep. You can say that you can confuse the role and the job 
with your identity and mm-hmm. how God's created you. And if we're honest, and, that's what in the beginning stages was so massively difficult about COVID. Yeah. Like I, in my heart of hearts, realized how subconsciously how much I was leaning on a, after a sermon yeah. and add a boy yeah. or that was great or yeah. because it was just a man cut and it was over. Dude, when Tyler said cut or before smart marketing got involved and we were just filming in there, I remember multiple times where we turned that camera off and we we're like, God, I hate this. Oh my <laughs> gosh, dude. <laughs> this is terrible. I remember we there were times Friday. before we did yeah. good Friday and Easter in the same day yeah. in the oh same my recording. Gosh. We, we put on all black <laughs> And we recorded Good Friday. Blacked out the windows. And then windows. we stopped the camera and said, we hate this. And we went to the bathroom and we changed into bright pastel Suits, colors yes. and came right back in and did Easter. Yep. We were like, hi, welcome to Westside. Like, yes. in your living room. Like, I remember there being times, not just when we hit cut, but before we started. Yeah. It was a prayer of like, God, please don't allow this to continue much longer. Like, yeah, Yeah. man, it was a mind job. That's for sure. Absolutely. That's a good word, Tyler. As you're, as you're in this, if you're listening to this, you're a worship pastor, worship leader. Um, God has, God has rooted in you, your identity far more that like, Mm. it's almost, it's almost a diss and a diss. Like I want to equate it to like the way that we, the way that our culture kind of lines up identity right now, it's mm-hmm. like, hey, the most important part about you is like either your sexual preference or your gender sure. identity or yeah. something sure. like that. And it, and what a what a disservice to who you are. Yes, like yes. you are so you're much more. more than those desires. A label. You're so much more than your enneagram number. You're yes. so much more than than the things that you like to do. Like you are created in the image and likeness of the God who created the universe. It's yep. good, man. And you have are created with a longing to love and to be with him. Yeah. I just, and, and I believe that applies here. Like, Amen. This, you're not, a, your identity is not in your position in your church. It's in the no. person who loves the church, Jesus. Amen. Yeah. yeah. All right, buddy, here we are, man. Seven years, seven yeah. things, number seven yeah. of some of the main stuff that you've learned yeah. through the years. I've got a seven A, or you could call it an eight, but <laughs> it'll, it'll just, uh, I love it'll, it. it'll wrap them all up. I number seven it. is rest is a command, not mm. a suggestion. That's oh. good. Uh, if you look at the 10 commandments, uh, the longest of the 10 is, uh, about the Sabbath, yep. about Sabbath rest, and it's given the most attention um, throughout the Pentateuch, and uh, people are actually, um, the consequences are almost more severe when yep. people are mm-hmm. not rested, and and uh, it's very easy to just go and yep. go and go and go and go, especially when it's something that's fulfilling. Well, and you also get rewarded for the yeah. results. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget. I. It was a guy in St. Louis that you're friends with, and uh, he was like, "You guys are doing everything, and you're pushing through. That's great. Like, good for you guys." And then, um, and then I, <laughs> I think the flip side, like not too many months later, it's like, "You guys are gonna die. Stop." <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, yes. Like it, it can be confusing, but yeah, you get rewarded, and then you also get the people who are like, "Hey, you probably need to chill out." And so, I would just suggest um, number one, as a worship leader, worship pastor, like, if you're overwhelmed, be honest about it. Mm. Um, it's okay. It doesn't say less of you because that's not who you are. That's not your identity. Be honest about it. Take a day, rest, kick it with your family and create a rhythm and a pattern of rest. Um, that doesn't just involve video games and fishing, right? Uh, make it involve your family, people, the scriptures, the prayers, a meal, do things that are on the 
outside of a screen, <laughs> like right. in reality um, and stuff like that. But I think you'll find um, rest takes work, yep. especially if uh, uh, not resting takes even more work. Rest right. takes some work, man. Like yeah. carve out those rhythms. Um, and Abraham no, Heschel says, if you Sabbath with your, or if you work, if you labor with your mind, Sabbath with your hands. And yeah. if you labor with your hands, Sabbath with your mind. Yeah. It's a good suggestion. Yeah. And I think it's okay to do things you love. Uh, just yep. make sure they involve, you know, other people and Jesus um, and not just fulfill some innate desire to kind of go blank for a day because that's not rest. But, right. but yeah, rest is a command um, and it's given for you for your good, not for punishment or anything like that. It's so, good, man. And that's the last true. thing is that it's all about Jesus, man. Come like, on. Every yep. single thing we do and say, everything that we operate in at the end of the day if it doesn't point to Jesus is not worth it amen it's all about Jesus the way you lead the songs you pick the people that you connect with the conversations you have all of that stuff is all about Jesus it's good man and um yeah I, I mean I'm sure that list could be super exhaustive no man it's beautiful and I want but, to I I said this at lunch of all things and I think it's very appropriate here um, I read Alex Trebek's um, autobiography before he passed away and on the first pilot episode of Jeopardy, um, he was introduced as the star of Jeopardy, Alex <laughs> Trebek. And after that pilot, he met with the guy and he said, never again yeah. do I want to be because I am not the star. Yeah. I am the host and the guests are a star. Yeah. And I just want to say to you, man, I think through all the years of you being on stage at Westside, you have been an incredible guest for Jesus to be the star yeah. on a Sunday morning and usher him in and to point people that direction, man. Thank you. It's been a privilege and an honor. It's been really cool, bud. Thank you. Yeah, man. Can Thank you, you give people much. just a snapshot of what's coming? Uh, you, you guys yeah. have been involved so heavily down here. People know you. They want to know what's next yeah, for you, man. So um, uh, we will close on our the sale of our house probably next week. Um, that date got pushed. It was supposed to be Monday, but it's probably looking later in the week. Uh, I'll re-rent the U-Haul, set up that new date. <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll, we'll finish packing the house and then load everything up. And then the day we close, we'll drive to Kansas City, stay the night with my mom, let the kids play it. They got a farm out there. And then, uh, and then we'll drive the rest of the way and we'll close on our townhouse in Colorado, Lord willing. Yeah. And, um, and then we'll get settled in there and then I'll probably start work out there. I'm not doing anything church related or or ministry yeah, related i'm going to be doing some subcontracting work i'll be working with my hands doing some uh, appliance installations and stuff and nice and all of that and so uh, the next the next big thing after we close on both of our houses is settling into the house and work yeah and you guys are getting to colorado at an incredible time of year too yeah. i would imagine yeah. yeah this is when the weed is the best <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding yes i'm just kidding i love it oh man yeah so, that's just so many of those jokes yeah so that's, many yeah Stu, Stu so Finnerty's got a good one for you ask him about it i love it he well listen if you're listening yeah. to this um be sure to come out and join us yeah this sunday um at 10 a.m as we honor Tyler and Kayla mm. and uh, worship with them and allow Tyler to lead us in worship one last time together um, yeah. at Westside. And so you guys can follow them on social media, stay up with the journey of the kiddos and all of that good stuff. Yeah. And so um, we also logistically have got some really cool dates coming up. So May 1st, we are having a
a baptism service yeah. at Westside. That's also a family worship Sunday. So that day is going to be packed. Miss Nikki is going to be leading us in a time with the kids. Fun. We're going to have baptisms. There's kids side kids that are getting baptized. Yeah, man. It's going to yeah. be awesome. And then the following Sunday, May the 8th is Mother's Day and we will be having child dedications. Yeah. And so we got a slew of kids that are going to get dedicated to the Lord. So listen, even after Easter, the momentum is continuing into baptisms, yeah. into Mother's Day and all kinds of stuff. So guys, yeah. stay in tune with us. Yeah. You know what? I think it would be cool. We'll talk about this to publish that maybe in a blog on the website. Yeah. I think that would be really cool. The seven things in seven okay. years. Yeah. So yeah, guys, yeah. Check, check us out on the website, westsidepb.org. If you yeah. got any questions, send us an email at info at westsidepb.org. Yeah. And Tyler Saxton, sign us off, man. Guys, I love you. This has been a treasure. This has been a fun thing to do. The rest of the sermon has yeah, been it a blast. Has. It really I've has. I really enjoyed it, getting a chance to host it and kind of poke around and stuff. It's been really, really great. Um, I love you guys. I'm looking forward to Sunday. Thank you for everything you've trusted me with. And uh, I, we are we are praying that God continues to do amazing things through Westside in this area. Amen. So, yeah. Love awesome. You guys. We love you guys. It's all about Jesus. Peace. Toodles. <laughs>